welcome to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast, where building a thriving real estate investing business has less to do with subway tile and shiplap and everything to do with whether you've laid a solid foundation to support the life of your dreams. I'm your real estate lawyer turned legal educator host, Bonnie Galam. In my years building a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio, the most important lesson I've learned is that being a successful real estate investor isn't about secret strategies or ninja tactics. It's about doing the basic stuff right and staying laser focused. If you're an ambitious real estate investor or one in the making who's looking to build a real estate portfolio that's secure, streamlined, and creates a life you love, you're in the right place. Each week here on the show, you'll get clear, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you build your real estate business and some tough love along the way to make sure you're not building a house of cards. Let's get started. Hi there, I'm Bonnie Gallum, host of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. And I'm really excited for this week's episode because I'm going to be chatting with you about what comes next for your real estate investing business. And this month, I've been focusing the conversation here on the podcast around out-of-state investing. And I mentioned in episode 29 that out-of-state investing is often like, quote unquote, the next step for real estate investors, that you know they tackle it in one market and then they expand uh, their reach geographically. And now I realize that plenty of investors start right out of the gate by investing out of state, but plenty of investors use that as sort of like a leveling up, uh, taking what works and deploying it literally somewhere else. Uh, But it got me thinking that investing out of state isn't really the only way to grow as a real estate entrepreneur. You can scale up or scale down or go horizontal. And I'll discuss more about what I mean about all of that later in the episode uh, and make some of that directional language make some sense if it made you feel a little bit dizzy, but fundamentally the good news is that despite what other people or other gurus might say, there is no right or wrong. That just means that you have to understand and process something harder, knowing what you actually want. Because if there was a right or wrong, we'd all just be doing it and not have to do this you know, crazy soul searching. And gosh, if that is not the hardest part of being an entrepreneur, then I don't really know what is because there's a million and one choices we get to make every day that will set the course for our real estate investing businesses. And yes, I'm choosing that word get very specifically because we are choosing to do this stuff. And I kind of, in my own world, have tried to drop using the words like I should, or I have to. And so I get, and you get to make these decisions every single day in your real estate investing business. And I think, you know, learning more about the direction our real estate investing business is going is really important because it can help you get you faster rather than, you know, bounce around. And it also helps you protect yourself a lot easier along the way, because if you know where you're going, that you'll know what you need to have in place to protect yourself. And I've seen so often these situations where real estate entrepreneurs are trying out a million and one exit strategies, and they're frankly not making progress on any of them because their energy is so spread out and so diluted, but they're also now a giant asset protection risk because most of the time, guys, it's not those strategies that are risky in and of themselves. It's that if you haven't flushed them out from a legal perspective and from a systems and processes perspective, then you run the risk of screwing things up. Also, not just screwing things up, but not having the pieces in place in the first place to prevent those issues from happening from the get-go. And so if you're currently feeling like you might be treading water or not really making any forward progress, or maybe you're just unsure about what taking your real estate investing business to the next level might look like, then this episode will be perfect for you as we'll give you the steps and tools you need to get alignment, get moving in, you know, whatever way you ultimately choose. And if this is resonating with you, then make sure you hit subscribe on your podcast player. So you are always the first to know when new episodes are dropped. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is a few things that have frankly been on my mind a lot as a real estate entrepreneur. One, 
taking your real estate investing business from hobby status to true business status. Second, deciding, you know, whether scaling up your business is even the right choice. There's options that, you know, allow you to keep small, but perhaps maximize your profit. And that may be a good choice for you. And third, why planning what comes next for your real estate business isn't really important from a legal perspective. But before we jump into the meat of the episode, I wanted to remind you real quick that if you're in the process of getting your legal house in order, I'm hosting two more live workshops for my free solid foundation asset protection class today. And so if you're listening to this live on Wednesday, October 27th, you still probably have time to register. During the workshop, I'll be breaking down the five steps to build a legally protected portfolio, plus a Q&A opportunity with me at the end. And it all lasts about 90 minutes or so, so no reason to carve out the whole day or anything. Plus, just like the last time I hosted this workshop back in August, you'll get access to a limited time discount for Landlord Law School and special bonuses available just for attendees. Both workshops are today, one at 1 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Eastern. And I'll be honest, this will probably be the last time I host it live for a little bit. I'm taking the rest of Q4 to beef up Landlord Law School a little bit more and to focus on some of the backend stuff in my businesses. Space is limited because that is what technology does these days. Don't kill the messenger. And so if you're interested, make sure you register soon. We already have a lot of you guys registered already, and I, I can't wait to join you guys live in a little bit. If you're listening to this live, you can go ahead and save your seat at bollygallum.com forward slash workshop. Again, that was bonniegallumcom forward slash workshop. And I'll be sure to link it into the show notes. So now let's dive in. First, I wanted to talk a little bit about taking your real estate investing business from hobby status to business. Y'all know my thoughts on the word investor. If you're new here, go back and listen to episode one of the podcast called You're Not an Investor, You're an Entrepreneur to get my full-blown Bonnie style rant on the, basically the entirety of this industry. But what you need to know for right now is that the investor mindset seriously hurts real estate entrepreneurs from a legal standpoint. They see what they're doing as something that is, you know, like more passive than it really is in functionality and practicality. When you go out in the real world and you do this stuff, it's really not that passive. The investing and, you know, the exit strategies that we're doing, the flipping, the buy and hold, the landlording, wholesaling, all sorts of creative finance, these strategies are all really active and you need to make sure you've got good contracts, good systems and processes in place to do it right and protect yourself. That's right. I'm not even talking about LLCs right now. We're really not going to touch about that at all during this episode, because I believe that whether or not you're operating out of one LLC, a dozen LLCs, or just making moves right now in your own name. You know what? I I don't just believe it. I know it because in fact, the IRS treats us as businesses in a number of different ways, but because we are businesses, we have to tackle all the legal stuff, just like any other business, the marketing, the management, and yeah, the legal. And so if you're not thinking about the legal, well, you're sadly probably building what I call a house of cards. And then that's just frankly a colossal waste of your time and money. If you want to play investor without thinking about all this stuff, then go invest in the stock market or something or passively invest in real estate through REITs or syndications, you know, just get a smaller return for less effort. But my sneaking suspicion that is that if you're listening to this podcast, I don't think that's your primary goal. You want to play in the field, get your hands a little bit dirty and get that bigger payoff. The portfolio you can leave to your kids, the rental income that can lead to early retirement or financial flexibility. And it's important that you drop just not this investor name, but that investor mindset as well. And something I've noticed from working with hundreds of investors and teaching thousands of them across the country is that if you have this investor mindset, I found that you probably also considered your real estate investing business as a hobby, something you're doing on the side. But you know what a hobby is? A hobby is like reading and knitting and playing sports. You're 
probably making this connection, but unless you decided to make your hobby a business and therefore yourself an entrepreneur, it's never really going to make you serious money. And frankly, I don't know anyone who gets into real estate for casual money, especially these active types of real estate. And so if you're only making casual money with your real estate, it, it can be really risky, frankly. And when it comes to casual money, the, the tiniest of losses can end up eating everything that you made. Um, and I'm talking, you know, a few months vacancies or a longstanding, you know, non-paying a tenant that you couldn't evict over the last 18 uh, plus months at this point, or contractors who go haywire, or even just, you know, like a giant CapEx project that was unexpected that you have to go out of pocket for. Those types of things are expensive. And it's frankly, those types of losses that I try to prevent inside my program, Landlord Law School, because when you only do one flip a year or only have one rental property, it doesn't take much for it to go wrong and eat up your entire profit or even give you a loss. But even if you've got a bigger business, something that, you know, is making consistent, you know, decent money, you still want to make that money, not waste it on, you know, nonsense, preventable stuff. And in the back of your head, I wouldn't be surprised if you're thinking a little bit like, yay, losses or tax write-offs. It's not a big deal. But let me tell you, that's just not a sustainable business practice. Like no one goes into business guys to professionally lose money. We don't want that to be you either. And that's not to say you can't have great tax strategy. Of course, you want to be taking advantage of all the lovely tax benefits that come with real estate investing, but wasting money and having you know nonsense write-offs just isn't one of them. And so that really means you've got two choices. You've either A, got to scale, you got to grow this baby, or you've got to have fat margins and reserves, lots of reserves to kind of cover you if things go wrong. And that's just kind of money that you, you can't touch um, because it needs to be there at the drop of a dime to kind of protect you. And so- Deciding whether to scale up your business is, is also a personal choice. You know, a few months ago, I read this book called A Company of One, and I loved it because it really spoke to me and my management style and the approach to business that I have, particularly for this business, somewhat my law firm, but definitely my real estate business as well. And I'll link it for you in the show notes because I really think it gives this interesting perspective about making money easy or hard on your terms or others' terms, on your time or other person's time, other people's times. And, you know, what a business can look like to support that kind of flexibility. And real estate is a business and you as the CEO, the owner can decide whether scaling up is right for you. And scaling can mean a lot of things. Scaling through, you know, the number of deals you're doing a year or the number of properties you manage. And when you decide what that looks like for you, like what you truly want to do for your investing business, what do you want it to look like? You know, and that can be based off of, you know, doing a time study or just knowing yourself and your income goals. You can decide if this is going to be a solo company, a company of one, if you will, or something that will require team members. And team members can, you know, come in a number of different categories or legal classifications. They can be employees. They can be 1099 contractors. They can be foreign or domestic. They can be local or far away. And each of those types, you know, has pros and cons. They fill different roles. And speaking, uh, you know, of preventing total waste of money, it's important to note that you really just can't pick any of those classifications willy-nilly. I see this run rampant in our industry where everyone's a 1099 contractor, and that is absolutely not the case. There are, frankly, guidelines that I, you know, I teach in way more detail about inside of Landlord Law School, so you don't get surprised with that nasty tax bill down the line. But when it comes to team, I always recommend evaluating your strengths and evaluating your time and finding those who can complement it. And for us, I can tell you that my firm has a lot of team members. I've got another attorney of assistance, paralegals. And when it comes to this business, I've you know chosen for it to be more of a company of one. I hire ex experts to come in, work their magic and send me on their merry way. 
And when it comes to my real estate, I, we definitely have a true company of one. I, I guess it's two if you count my husband, but among us, we, we cover all the bases. We self-manage. And of course, you know, we've got people who like, you know, like CPAs, but we found that for where we are right now, we can maximize our revenue and maximize our time by just handling the stuff on our own and running, you know, a very tight ship in a way that allows us time flexibility and financial flexibility as well. Could we be bigger with property managers and marketing assistants and all that stuff? Yeah. But you know, you know what? They, they cost money and they cost time. And so balancing that is key, not just for our growth, but growth that fulfills us as business owners. Like we don't want to have a property manager. And so for us, we're very conscious and, you know, scale our property in a way that, you know, very tightly fit our niche and very tightly fit our geographic areas, because for us, it's very important to, to be close to the management of our tenants, close to the rehabs of our properties. And so we, we don't like having that middleman. And that's just our choice. You may have chosen otherwise, and that's fine. But for us, we also have to be conscious, you know, as we scale to make sure this is something that isn't going to create more work for us, that can kind of just get plugged right in with the rest of the machine that we have going and keep the wheels moving smoothly. Because when you start, you know, going out and doing things tangential, it, it takes a lot more work and a lot more effort. When you think about businesses, your business is for you. You control it. You could have opened a pizza parlor, as I always like to use an example. You could be doing a million other things, but we're doing this real estate business. And so if you're not making it work for you and your lifestyle, then maybe it's time to reevaluate geographically. Maybe it's time to reevaluate your exit strategies. And whatever you're doing right now, it doesn't have to be forever, but it needs to work for right now as well. And you know, sometimes maybe you're gonna need, you know, a, a time where you need a push over a hump to get more revenue, or you want to do a marketing campaign to get more leads. And maybe you need confidence from getting the legal stuff in place to actually scale your business on. Or, you know, there may be times when you do want to have a property manager in the short term to free up time until the revenue reaches a point where maybe you can step away from your nine to five. The point is, is that you can have steps as part of your scale. You can have sprints and you can have breaks. You can need a team and there can be times when you don't need a team, but none of it matters. And you definitely cannot even think about scaling if you don't know where you're going. And one of the things you have to decide as a business owner is what type of freaking business do you even have? Guys, because it's a lot easier, one, to, to grow a targeted niche business than it is to be a generalist. You know the saying that the riches are in the niches, but niches are actually pronounced niche. Anyway, you want to be in those niches. But beyond just you know the profit potential of niching down and finding your zone of expertise, you want to make me, your real estate lawyer, buddy friend happy. And it makes me happy because you have way freaking better asset protection that way. Yes. When you know where you're going, whether it's team building or not, a long distance or not, or scaling versus saving and nail down that exit strategy. Um, you, you have a lot better asset protection because we know what pieces need to put in place. But let me tell you, you have got to pick. And I challenge you to make these decisions now. And I'll include this list in the show notes. So you don't have to write them down, but I want you to decide the following five things. And I want you to decide them today. One, what edge strategy are you pursuing? Two, what market are you going to do that in? Three, what would be a great revenue goal to hit this time next year? Four, what time do I personally have to dedicate to get there on a weekly basis? And five, do I need to add a team member to get there? And what do those team members look like? And let me be clear, this isn't written in stone. This is your efforts for, say, the next year. For the next year, eyes on the prize, what are you focusing on? And so 
make sure that you take a moment and literally write out these answers. I'm a big proponent of like actually writing it. Don't just think it in your head, write it down, pin it to the wall, put it on your bathroom mirror, whatever you got to do to keep your eyes on the prize and to keep this business tight as you are pivoting, either niching down or, you know, kind of what I like to see is kind of like this leveling down to level up. You get really clear, you shed all the excess. So that way you can level up and take your business to the next level, because there's a lot of different ways. As I mentioned in the beginning, you can grow vertically. And what it, what I mean by growing vertically is you do more of the same thing. And I feel like a common example of this would be the out-of-state investing. You take an approach that you've got tight, you've got the systems and processes for, and you go plug it in a new market. You're doing the same thing somewhere else. And you're like an expert at it. On the other hand, when you go horizontal, that's when you do things that are kind of tangential. Uh, I feel like a classic example of this are, you know, general contractors who are also flippers. They maybe have private clients, but then they do their own projects as well. And so from there, it's kind of going horizontal. Uh, A horizontal example for a landlord could maybe be opening up your own property management company. And so you're not expanding by going into new markets. You're expanding by leveraging this expertise you don't have in property management and doing that for other people. And so all of this is really important for you to decide because when it comes to the legal stuff, the legal stuff is totally different depending on the answers for all of these questions. And, you know, the systems and processes you need to have in place varies. And from there, you know, what I always suggest is think about the people who you come in contact with in your real estate investing business, the realtors, the contractors, tenants, partners, wholesalers, employees, your virtual assistants, your property managers, you know, this list can go on. And let me tell you that these are the people who are most likely to cause you legal headaches. Um, Despite what a lot of, I'll say the asset protection gurus say, it's really not some brando who's walking down the street and slips and falls. Do we want to protect about against that? Heck yes. But what I hate is wasting too much time on that stuff from an asset protection standpoint. Why? Because it's so unlikely and so totally unpreventable. You put a few legal pieces in place and bada bing, bada boom, that stuff is generally covered to the best of your ability. And you, you know, you can sleep tight knowing that. But we also absolutely need to protect ourselves from the people who are most likely to sue us. And I feel like there should be like, you know, like this like special siren that goes off in your brain when you deal with those people because they're like walking, talking legal landmines. But unlike Joe Schmo, who slipped on the ice, we can actually prevent a lot of those problems from happening in the first place with rock solid agreements. And so next, what I want you to do is think about what contracts, what writings you need to have in place to legally protect you from the activities you're doing in your business and the people who that business is interacting with. Because when it comes to legal, being nimble sometimes is half the battle. You need to know what your legal options are and then have this stuff at your fingertips. And since asset protection is totally different for all real estate investors, that's why I, you know, I really designed Landlord Law School as this like choose your own adventure program to protect you from all that kind of stuff, but then also give you the templates and trainings to get it done fast. In the first module of Landlord Law Schools, there's this whole lesson on evaluating your business and your asset protection risk, uh, complete with what is my 100% absolute favorite part of landlord law school, my DIY asset protection audit, because from there you can target different lessons and different templates based on what your needs are right now. And then what I love to do is repeat that audit annually. 
during my annual meeting. And I've got this whole episode coming up towards the end of the year on annual meetings, but just know that, you know, these annual meetings don't just have to be for the goal setting stuff. It's also my favorite opportunity to do a deep dive legal check-in on my business as well. And if you know that you want to start checking off this legal stuff, then I'll give you one last reminder that I'm running a promo for Landlord Law School for attendees of the workshop I'm running today. And for better or for worse, you won't be hearing about Landlord Law School from me for a while. So make sure you strike while the iron is hot. Guys, if you want to sign up for that workshop or check out any of the links or resources mentioned in this episode, then just head on over to my website, bonniegallum.com forward slash 31. This is episode 31 of the podcast, or you can use the link that is right in your podcast app. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you left me a five-star review and a comment telling me what you took from it. It really helps other real estate entrepreneurs like you find my show. Until next week, take care and I'll see you here. Same time, same place. Bye for now. If you want to continue the conversation, jump on over to the free Good Bones Real Estate Investing Facebook group. That's it for this episode of the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'll see you here next week, same time, same place. Until then, go out and build the real estate empire of your dreams. Thank you for listening to the Good Bones Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player to make sure you don't miss out on any future episodes. Now this lawyer's got to drop the fine print real quick. This podcast is educational and not intended to be legal tax or investing advice for you. Please speak with a local professional for specific advice unique to you and your situation. That's it for this episode. Bye for now.